It's like a weird ring kissing ceremony at the beginning of that. <laughs> so, this John MacArthur's ring right here. Kiss it, and then then you may talk. That that was, it was that was weird, and it's like, and then then they say, well, they, we lose down here, and then it's like James White says, no, I, I disagree. Everybody else, you get these long those qualified frauds, answers. Those frauds. Say yes or no. Yes, those frauds. They were. Ah. That was fraudulent. Oh my <laughs> word, that was They're so trying fraudulent. Trying to sound like, yeah, we do win, but we do lose. Well, I call it optimistic that we all lose down here. <laughs> <laughs> ah. What a hot take, homie. <laughs> who what the heck, who the heck was it? Who said that? You know what? I think the only people I'm allowed to say they all look the same about is like a bunch of like Christian leaders. I'm allowed to say they all look the same about them. Anybody else, you can't say. That's true. They all look the same. Yeah, yeah they all look the same. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> anyway. Welcome to the Lancaster Patriot Podcast. My name is Chris, joined today by Travis Schmalhofer, Luke Saint, and Joel Saint. And we're discussing G3's forum on postmillennialism, theonomy, and... I think Christian nationalism Christian, came Christian out. nationalism, yes. So postmillennialism, theonomy, and Christian nationalism was the, the main one, I guess. Today's episode is brought to you by Legacy Roofing, the number one roofing company in Lancaster County. If you need a new roof, turn to no one else other than Legacy Roofing. Give them a call at 484-219-4005. Legacy Roofing, they can take care of your roof, siding, deck, you name it, uh, exterior work. Give them a call. Uh, before I got a bunch of clips to play. Before I do, anybody have initial thoughts on this forum? It was James White, uh, James Coates, Owen... How do you say his last name? I, I've heard Strachan and I've heard Strawn. I think it's Strayan. Strayan. Okay. <laughs> so we got okay. three different. Yeah. Okay, Owen S. moderated it. Uh, there was Jeffrey Johnson on the panel. Uh, Josh Boyce, your favorite, Joel. And uh, Scott Annual. 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 Okay. Names are killing me this morning. Uh, so initial thoughts on that, and then I'm going to get into some clips. Uh, my initial thought is I... Um, they, they they trash Christian nationalism without having a Christian nationalist up there at all to defend it, and uh, even apply the the try to apply Owen S tries to apply it to James White and James White rejects the label. But by the time these guys were done, I thought to myself, you know what? I've never identified as a Christian nationalist, but if these are the guys that are opposing it, I'm I'm slouching into Christian nationalism. It was that bad. <laughs> All right, what, Luke? What were your initial thoughts? Um, I think it's. The, the, I mean, the, the, they start off by acknowledging that the, uh, Christian nationalism means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, but and, and I think that's true. But I think that uh, you know when when you don't define what the purpose of government is at the beginning, you know, we want to have a, a a Christian nation. Um, and we and we want to have a a Christian government. I actually, honestly, I think a lot of those guys would not say we want a Christian government. I, look, I, I just think that, that I think their understanding of of biblical politics is so poor that they actually believe the world when the world says a Christian government would be bad because then they'd be pulling out swords and going at everybody's house and saying, "Are you a Christian? Yes or no?" And if you say no, I'm going to kill you. And if you say yes, then you're then you're going to be okay. And by the way, tell me everybody, tell me where everybody is who's not a Christian so we can go kill them. You know, I think that's what they believe. Honestly, I think I think that's what they really believe would be the the, the like a Christian government to them. That's what it means. See, see, I was about to interrupt you when you said, "Do we want a Christian government?" I was, I was about to pu punch in or not. 
And I think it's or not or, or not. Yeah, I, I really do. And I think a lot of those guys up there, when they say that uh, one Christian nation and, and it was hinted at by I'm not sure who said it. again, I don't know who said all these things because I listened, I didn't watch. And as you said, Dad, they all look the same up there. But um, uh, one guy said, <laughs> "Just the <a> du- <sighs> you know, spend all this money on this education and, and this, these these ministries and church programs everywhere, and homeboys up there." And he says, "We can't expect everyone to follow the law of God." And it's like, oh. <sighs> the pagans get up there and say, "Yeah, I expect you to do X, and I expect you to do Y." And they're okay. I expect 13. you to, to embrace transgenderism. I expect you like, to embrace okay. transgenderism. Yeah. I expect you to take yeah. the vaccine. I expect you to pay your taxes. I expect you to do all these things. Millions and millions of laws. And he gets up there and he says one of the dumbest things: "Oh, we can't expect everyone to follow the law of God." Oh, oh, oh wow, like, oh, wow! You just say no more. I mean, the discussion's over. And 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 that is such a poor understanding. Of uh, a biblical jurisprudence, of biblical law, of of the sovereignty of God, for of the sake. sovereignty of God, right? I thought he called all men everywhere. He to calls repent. all men everywhere to repent. I, I, That's I, Paul I was thinking that on Mars Hill calls everyone, everyone, everyone to repent. Yeah, and who you know? who was he talking to? A bunch of Christians. But, yeah, it's just, and I can't believe I cannot believe a forum on Christian nationalism with all those educated men. I cannot believe somebody said that. I cannot believe those words came out of somebody's mouth. And that it just shows me it, it indicates that these people, um, not all of them, but many of them. Even with all the training, they're just not equipped to deal with the subject biblically, biblically. And Travis, I think you're Exhibit A in my mind when you said you went to seminary and you said we were never equipped to deal with this subject biblically, if I remember correctly. Which subject? Um, the, the subject of Christian politics, of uh, 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 biblical law. You said we never studied it. We just never, we never talked about it. We never studied it. We never got into it. We just never did. Well, I think it's because... My undergrad was at a dispensationalist, premillennialist school. As many of those guys up there were. Yes, very. And and that gets to the point that I wanted to make, that one of the things they they seem to to kind of point out in this discussion was how pietism doesn't lead to the gospel affecting any of the other spheres of life besides the church, really. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, so they're they're saying, okay, well, as they're talking about postmillennialism, um, yeah, I guess we should all live as if that's going to be true, even though we don't think it is. But they're not really living that way. Mm-mm. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's and and I think you know back to what you mentioned there. Uh, you know, where I studied in seminary, I would say it was mostly like an amillennial perspective, and. I wouldn't say that it was pietistic because there was a lot of influence of Francis Schaeffer and others there. Um, but I, th- I think there was a disconnect between the fact, the three uses of the law. There really wasn't a connection made there to how the law still applies to the new covenant community. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right. So I want to get, get into this. And if obviously, if you haven't watched, it's an hour for us. It was about, I guess this would have been the end of October uh, and it's on YouTube. And, We've already touched on a couple things. So the forum is basically dealing with Christian nationalism, theonomy, and postmillennialism, and they kind of put them all together. And I know, Joel, you're going to have some comments on what Josh Boyce said about white Christian nationalism. Maybe before we get there, though, we've already touched on a couple things. I want to play this clip first. I have 11 clips. I doubt I'll be able to play them all. 
But this says, I think, the first interaction, and it was about Psalm 2, and it kind of goes to just opening up the discussion, and the question is, how should civil rulers respond to Christ? I mean, that's and that's a big part of the forum. So, and it's kind of what you touched on, on Luke, and, and James White was the only one on the panel who would say he's a theonomist and postmillennialist, so he was often the only one answering the questions. <laughs> and it, therefore, the only one who could address the question. Right. I, seriously. Yeah. So here's one clip. No, seriously. Uh, Psalm 2. I agree completely with what you said. Here's my question. Do you see Psalm 2 calling kings to kiss the sun as a gospel call to repentance and faith? Something separate from that? Something more from that? How, how would you see that? Well, you know, since it says, lest his wrath be kindled, uh, you could certainly apply that to a general uh, gospel call, but this is specifically directed to kings and to judges. So it has, kings and judges have a specific application. So what I'm saying is, what do we, when we say the magistrate, are we talking about an enthroned king who is reigning right now? All right, Joel, Psalm 2. Welcome to Doug Wilson and friends. Oh. World, I'm trying to shut that down, and then I oh, got, yes. got a plan. It is no quarter November. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Just the world. <laughs> Thanks for reminding us. Yeah, yeah, I, was, I was trying to like not do that, and then I did it. <laughs> no, no quarter of November needs more advertising. We, we we never know when it comes around. Yeah. <laughs> Joel, Psalm two. Is it a call for the civil rulers? Is it just a gospel call? Namely, you need to repent and personally believe in Christ, and then it doesn't impact your governance. Yeah, so um, it is a gospel call because the gospel is everything from Genesis 1, 1 through Revelation 22. And what a, what a great gospel thing to call on kings to rule as if they answer to Christ, which is what that is. Now, to limit that to a, 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 a gospel call is to attack the New Testament. And I know later on we might get into this. I, 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 I'm slightly aside here, but this whole thing is so upsetting to me, quite frankly. Um, later on, we, we get in a discussion, and a couple times we have people saying, well, that's not in the New Testament. I don't see that in the New Testament. You know what? I, I, I got something better than that. Uh, my, new, my new phrase is Mark 4. Uh, I think everything should be in like Mark 4. And if it's not in Mark 4, then I don't think we should believe it. What, what are we saying like New Testament only? I thought it was all the word of God here. Anyway, get, getting back to this th this question, in Acts 4, Acts 4, they quote Psalm 2, and they quote Psalm 2 in relation to Herod and Pilate, and they quote Psalm 2, and they name Herod and Pilate as identifying the kings of the earth who are trying to oppose the, the, the kingship of Christ. And they're not talking about a gospel call for Herod and Pilate here to like, you know, um, you know, come forward to the next Billy Graham crusade. No, they're calling on the kingship of God to oppose these wicked men. So if, if, if G3 people or anybody else wants to say this is merely a gospel call, they just need to repent and believe. And then they can go on uh, ruling as they have, uh, robbing their neighbors of their money and their lives, quite frankly. Then explain that to the people in Acts 4 who quoted it, they prayed it, and they applied it specifically to Herod and Pilate. 
again, to Luke's point, these are people that, that teach, they're, they're seminary professors or whatever, and they're talking about Acts 4, Acts, Psalm 2, and they've never even read the interpretation, the application of it in Acts 4. I mean, come on, I've done it. Come on, it wasn't that long ago that I was a concrete salesman for Pete's sake. You know, you want to buy some concrete? <laughs> I can see it. Why can't they? I think I think they there's just once you I suspect that once read that, you read once you get four guys once, it's in the Bible once you get once you get to that level of of Christian ministry there are certain people that are supporting you that are influencing you that you're just trying to impress and and you can't afford to switch teams you just can't afford to do it you'd be turning your back on everybody who's who who's uh, you know, supporting you or you know, giving you money or giving you accolades or, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. I cannot, and I, I also, I cannot believe there's two things said in this that I was like, I, are people still saying this? Is this really a thing? Well, the first one was, you know, we can't expect everyone to follow the law of God. Oh, like, okay, all right, whatever. This is a, a silly thing to say. Um, but then, the, the uh, okay, so, you, you know, like uh, when they say, you know, like, um, you know, white is the new black or something like that. Well, First um, uh, Corinthians two two is the new Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, and and First Corinthians two two is uh, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Are we still misapplying this verse up on this panel? You know, God, God, He's up there saying, "Well, yeah, you know, I mean, that's that's what we should be teaching." You know, I mean, I determined to know nothing except you, Christ and Him crucified. Well, then just throw just throw away the sixty five other books, please. Just throw it away. Because all we need is the book of John. It's got the gospel in it. Just throw it away. We don't need everything else. Just, you know, here, here's a forum on, on Christian nationalism, and you're talking about it, and it, it, it's, it's okay for you to talk about it um, and, and, then, and then remind everyone, but we should only really be talking about Christ and him crucified because that's all the Bible says. That's all the Bible ever tells us. It's just about Christ and him crucified. It says nothing about ever, er, anything else. It's just about Christ and him crucified. And, he, and the guy was up there saying that, like, like, oh, that's what we really need to be preaching. I, it, it's, it's, then why are we having a discussion with Christian I, nationalism? I, I don't know. Why are we having this conference? Well, this is a G3 conference, right? It's a, yeah, the pre-conference was titled The Gospel and the State. Then why are we doing this? You know why are you even attending here? What, what what are you doing here? Just just preach Christ and Him crucified. Why did you even answer the question? Just say I'm not going to answer this question. I just preach Christ and Him crucified. You know it's a, it's the same problem that 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 you know I saw Alistair Begg talking about this a while ago, and he he was saying you know we're just here to preach the gospel. We we are just here to preach the gospel. That's it. And 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 their 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 idea of the uh, of the gospel is so truncated. That that it is this message of just 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 pure salvation. That's it. Just personal salvation, relationship between you and the Lord, and and the the problem with that uh, idea is that the gospel never says just preach the gospel. Nowhere in the gospel does it say just preach this. Here's the gospel and just preach that. You know, and and they keep going back to First Corinthians two two, which Paul says. This is for this is for a image, spiritually immature church. He uses that phraseology of mature and immature. It's a spiritually immature church, and I just I, I was trying to know nothing among you except Christ and Him crucified, because you couldn't get the more more fund the more mature ideas of Scripture. You, you, you know, I couldn't I couldn't preach to you that because you guys couldn't understand. And people keep come to this and they're like, well, I guess that's all I'm going to do, right? Because I guess you, I guess you lead a church that's so spiritually immature that you can't go beyond Christ and Him crucified. Now, whose fault is that? 
Is that their fault or is that your fault that you're such a poor leader that you can't lead people beyond the go- what you believe is a truncated gospel message? I can't believe we're still talking about this. Well, I think they even said that in the panel discussion. The one, I forget which guy it was because it wasn't something I took a note on, but he even mentioned that, that, you know, we haven't gotten beyond this idea of living the gospel out in our own lives. How can we, like, move to talking about how it's supposed to affect politics and all these other things? Basically, was the point. Um, I don't know if that was a clip that you had pulled out, Chris, or not, but... Um, yeah, yeah and, I think I do have And, it. yeah, I think, Luke, your point is well taken there. Like, well, whose fault is that? <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, you know it's your what? job to lead them. <clears throat> Paul's not trying to keep people in spiritual immaturity. He's trying to mature them. There's a step process. I don't want to leave you in this state of spiritual maturity. I don't want to keep on preaching Christ and him crucified. And that's it. You know, he keeps talking about spiritual meat. We got to move beyond. You guys got to keep on, you know, add to your um, uh, faith goodness and goodness uh, uh, knowledge and knowledge wisdom and keep, keep on maturing. Don't stop. I don't get it. Yeah, and and just in case anybody like doesn't get Psalm two for a second, I'm gonna read Acts. Okay, these people are are, are being persecuted. Then they're let go, and they went to their own companions and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. Chief priests and elders now, and when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord, said, "Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them. Who by the mouth of your servant David have said? See if you recognize this." Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand. The rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. Psalm 2. We're about to get some commentary from the Bible itself, which is worth more than all the other commentaries put together on Psalm 2. Okay. For truly, this is how they apply it. This is how they applied it. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, kings of the earth with the gentiles and the people of israel this is the people plotting a vain thing we're gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done now lord look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant jesus they are not applying this as like, oh, you know, Herod and Pilate, you know, we're concerned about their personal salvation. Perhaps they were, perhaps they were not. No, they were applying this to themselves for them to be able to stand up against these wicked kings and with boldness preach the word of God. That's the application of Psalm 2 as demonstrated in that highly qualified portion of the Bible, the New Testament. <laughs> All right, so let's try to get in some more clips here. Um, there's a lot there we covered. And again, just to help our listeners understand, if I under, and what, tell me what you guys think. I mean, the, the panel, the point of the panel seemed to be there are Christians out there who want the nation to be Christian. In some, now, what does that mean? That's the question, right? Uh, I think when they throw in theonomy and post-mill, they're saying, look, they're putting it together and saying, if you want God's law to be the standard of justice in society, and you believe that God has promised to bless the preaching of the gospel so that people's hearts are changed and then laws are changed, then that might be a problem, right? So this this was, uh, I found this article, this is not by one of the guys in the panel, but I think it, it summarizes what they're saying, and this is by, I think, Jonathan Lehman at Nine Marks, and he said, critics of Christianity will denounce any Christian influence as Christian nationalism. If influence is the standard, then I'm a Christian nationalist. The government should implement justice as he defines it, not justice some other God defines. 
So I'm like, okay, if if so, but then Jonathan Lehman says, but if by Christian nationalism you mean identity and you want our nation to be identified as a Christian nation, then I have a big problem with that. Hmm. So it, it to me that was very confusing. And even in the, in the forum, Scott uh, Scott, how do you say his last name? I think it's Scott Aniel. Scott Aniel says, hey, the role of this the role of the state is to punish evil. Okay, but by what standard? So. I think they never really got to that issue. I mean, he spent a few, he spent a little time saying, well, the second table of the law, not the first table. I mean, but I really didn't think they got anywhere. It would have been nice if they were talking, okay, we need to talk about what is the role of the state to punish evil according to what standard and what would that mean? And then go ahead and get into your debates about the first table and the second table. But they were, they were really opposed to, to at least in this article, and, and seems in the forum was not as clear at points, but we don't want, we can't have a Christian nation because then we get into the formalism and, and all that stuff. So I know you have some notes, Travis. I want to play some more clips and just to flesh this out a little bit more. So feel free to jump in at any point. So you had mentioned, this was, I'm, I might not play this whole clip, but <clears throat> this was where one of the guys said, you know, what we need to do is we need to raise up a Wilberforce. And when he said that, I said, well, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, well, why not raise up a theonomist? Why not raise up someone who will follow God's law? So let's play this and then we'll, we'll talk about it. Raise up a Wilberforce in your congregation. That's the distinction I'm trying to make. My, my biggest concern, just my heart concern with the Christian nationalism movement is that we have a lot of churches that are already not doing a good job of shepherding. It is very rare to find a church actually that is really shepherding the flock well. So if we're already not doing well and our job is to preach and shepherd, and then we add on these huge expectations and obligations that we now need to get very politically involved, doing a ton of stuff in the cultural, in the public square. Wow, what is that now going to do to shepherding? So that's my big burden. I hope it was clear in my talk. I'm not saying don't get engaged in the public square. We absolutely need to, but you equip other saints to do that rather than the pastor being the expert on everything. We're obviously extremely involved in the public square, but it never is, it's just never even crossed my mind that that's a replacement for the gospel or that it's a, um, a removal of the gospel from its central central i will right, we'll stop there james white again the voice of reason often in this he went on to say look because the question there was if someone came up to you and said oh you're just preaching the gospel you're not doing enough and james white said well i don't think anybody would say that in our church because we're very involved it's you can't separate preaching the gospel from applying the gospel to every area of life but that gentleman there i forget his name who who, who said you know we need to raise up wilberforce that goes to your point travis where he says well the churches are not doing a good job shepherding we can't add this to it. But then he says, but we should still train up people to do it. So that was a bit confusing to me. Um, what were your thoughts on that clip? That, that right there is the point that we were making earlier. This, this problem in the evangelical churches of pietism, where you're separating out all of these aspects of life. And it's kind of like your spiritual life's over here. And then your public life's over here. And the gospel is supposed to affect everything. It's a, it's a whole life thing. It's not just for church. And that's, that's one of the big problems, especially I, I think that was one of the big problems on this panel discussion uh, with how they're approaching this topic. I think there's a lot of confusion, uh, different, 
different people that I've been listening to and reading about on the discussion of Christian nationalism, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding and confusion right now. Uh, there's a lot of different voices of saying, no, this is Christian nationalism. That's Christian nationalism. I think we need to start defining terms and get some clarity on all this stuff so that these types of discussions are a little more helpful. Yeah. Well, we've tried to do that before. I yeah, guess which we in, did do yeah, before. Yeah. And I guess in this case, but to your point, though, I guess in this case, Joel, I want to play the clip by Josh Boyce. I mean, yeah, you, that's, you, that's you, fine. you had said you, and I, you don't usually use the term Christian nationalist, right? And so what, what are they opposing? And, and that's the question that we really have here. What, what is the opposition on this panel other than maybe James White? What are they opposing? And it seems to me they are opposing the idea that the gospel impacts the civil sphere and Christians should boldly go into the civil sphere and call on civil rulers to govern according to the Bible. That, that seems to be the problem, right. according to the Bible. We're supposed to have Christian influence, whatever that means. We're, we're supposed to like do good. We're supposed to be involved in the culture. Be inv What does that mean, involved in the culture? Voting for Republicans? I hope not. Come on. Uh, it, it's, it, you know what it is? It, it's like what's, th th this trend is happening, I think, in Christian circles where we ident don't identify sins that you can repent of. Instead, you identify sin as kind of this general thing. And it's happening throughout all of Christendom. One thing I want to say about that clip too, and that is, you know, they whoever was talking, it, 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 I'm, I'm talking more about general Christian dialogue ethics here, right? And so we say we're we're not doing a good job of shepherding. We're not allowed to say we're doing a bad job. You, you can't you can't say that, right? Because we're a, a nice dialogue. We're all not allowed to say that. Go ahead, bro. Say you're doing a really bad job of shepherding here. When you are losing 70 to 80% of your young people to secularism, you're doing a bad job of shepherding. Say it. All right. I'm good. Well, save some of that because i got to play this, this clip from Josh Boyce now. And maybe after, I know you're going to have another rant, but, but this maybe brings it together a little bit, at least from their perspective. Because Josh Boyce is going to say, look, the term Christian nationalism, white Christian nationalism, it's a problem because it's people who are using that aren't really looking to the Bible. Okay, but what what should the role of of the government be? So let's play this and then we'll interact with it. We look at uh, January sixth and we see the news media immediately using language like what? If you go back and search on Google and you start just just reading the headlines, what you see is a common phrase. It is white. Christian nationalism. Now, the problem with this, I think, is that you know, we can have all sorts of conversations about eschatology, and we can have all sorts of conversations about where we might differ on that. But what I see as a danger to the church would be the idea of saying, okay, well, we as Christians need to embrace this title, this label that's been bombed by the leftists. And I could see it in many ways as a trap so that as you know, a great swelling you know, group of Christians embrace this label, then what ends up happening is the next tragedy that you have, like a January 6th or whatever it might be in the political sphere, <laughs> is they immediately start me? pointing at 
the Christian nationalists. And so I just don't like the You've label. Lost. You've lost the debate. Um, so that's one problem. I think the greatest number of Christian nationalists in America today are not post-millennial or reformed Christians. They are individuals within the sphere of politics like uh, General Michael Flynn, for instance. That's the greatest number of Christian nationalists presently. Um, and so I think we have to be really honest about that. They're just too worried about who they're being associated with. Mm -hmm. That's the yes, problem. Yes, very true. Right, right. If, if, the, if the early Christians were concerned about, you know, if so, so concerned about the Gnostics, they would have never, you know, gotten out of bed and, and preached Christianity because they'd be so, so, so afraid. Well, everyone thinks that, you know, the Gnostics keep, ruin, keep ruining it for us. So let's not be Christians anymore. You know, and you've already lost the debate. You've already lost the debate when, when you go in there saying the tragedy and you say January 6th, like tragedy, tragedy of January 6th. What in the world is he what? talking about? What? Are you kidding me? That's what you're worried about? We got millions of children dying every year and your tragedy is January 6th? That's like case in point. Tra hey, here's a problem. We got tragedies like January 6th. Oh my, you've lost the debate. I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, you've see, lost the debate. I, I, I know you might be watching and say, what are these people, what are they so upset about? But this is exactly it right here. This is, this. what we really need to be concerned about is January 6th. A tragedy. Tra no, no, a tragedy. Yeah, yeah. Not January 6th. The tragedy. The tragedy of January 6th. Oh, please. We got, we got transgenderism. We got people identifying in schools as animals here. We, 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 we've got the, de the dead babies. We, we, we've got homosexuals. We, we've got great wicked things. And this guy who's head of G3 and a professor of preaching is concerned and I'm concerned about all the times I hear concerned, by the way. It's a nice word. Like, I'm concerned. Oh, okay. Can you be a little more specific? But anyway, he's concerned about the tragedy of January 6th. I mean, can you see how what a mess this is? Can, can you understand why the prophets look like flaming idiots, beard flopping in the wind, you, you know, robe uh, flapping as, as well, calling out this wickedness and sin? Everybody says, what is wrong with that guy? Well... <laughs> I, I think I'm getting the profits more and more when I hear this kind of business right right here. But but go, going on w with this, there, there's such so so much wrong with that. For, he he throws out, and this is just dishonest. He throws out the term white Christian nationalist. No one no one was talking about white Christian nationalists, and then he's talking about the people that embrace this term. Then he mentions Gen, Gen, General Flynn. Pastor Boyce or Bice, I've heard it pronounced both ways. Is it white Christian nationalism you're talking about, or is it Christian nationalism? You know what? We don't know. He opens it up with white Christian nationalism, then after that it's just Christian nationalism. Well, which is it? And he has to know. He's a communicator. He's a pastor of a large church. He's a professor of preaching. He has to know how he's muddying the waters that way, and it's dishonest. And what makes me even more angry about that is I counted him up. He, he, he says honest in his little three-minute clip. You didn't play the whole thing. In his little three, four-minute clip there, he'll say honest or dishonest at least five times. I actually think he actually says six times. He's talking about honesty when he muddies the water with white Christian nationalism there. We are dealing with Bad people here, my friends. And, and, you know, you don't have to send me any more money. You're not sending me money now. We're dealing with bad people. What about what you said, Joel, about his concern for what other people will think? Oh, okay. what, yeah, yeah what thank thing? you. you. You know, his entire talk there, to your point, Travis, 
He's concerned about everybody else. And to your point too, Luke, he has nothing to say from the scriptures at all about uh, about what a nation is supposed to look like before God. He's got nothing to say. Mm-hmm. His entire nothing to contribute. Nothing. Yeah. His entire talk there is what are they going to say about us? Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Thank you. I mean, there now, now there's a leader. Let's go do poll testing. And he said at the beginning, he searched on Google. Let's look on Google to see what they're saying about us and then not use any term that they're using. And you know what? That's part of our problem, too, because even now, people are running away from the term Christian. Later on, he says, and this was dishonest, too, I felt. He's, later on, he says, well, isn't the term Christian good enough? You know what? It's not good enough anymore because that, na- that term is being applied. So now we have followers of Christ. Right? Have you heard that one? Yep. I don't mm-hmm. want to be known as a Christian. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. That term's been be- – so I'm just a follower of Jesus. Well, don't you think follower of Jesus might be messed with too? Can you stop worrying about everybody else and actually start to fear God and his word? Please. And, and that's that's the beauty of No Quarter November. You know, uh, I mean, you, you have you have all the the leftists and the and the woke, you know, saying, "Oh, you want to enforce Christianity and you know in in the United States and you know all this kind of stuff," and and then you just have the Chad going, "Yes, yes, I want to enforce Christianity in the United States." So not necessarily Christianity, but God's law. You know, you want to enforce God's law? Yeah, yeah, I want to enforce God's law. And 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 it's it's a no no quarter November is all about being unapologetic for your Christianity. That's what it's about. And and a lot of these cats up here on this G3 panel, man, they are just so sorry. It just seems like they're just so sorry about uh, you know, all the horrible things Christians are doing in the United States and they just want to apologize to everybody and you know, you have this really lukewarm watered down version of 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 Christianity please, up there. Please like us. Yeah, we'll please. apologize. So you, know, you like us. We we can't. Oh, they're disgusting we, people. We, we cannot. We cannot embrace this term of Christian nationalism because what will the pagans say if we do that? Oh my goodness. You know. Well, well, well. You know. Let's 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 keep asking them how we should. You know. Let's keep going to them, cap in hand. What should we do next? It's unbelievable. These people. I can't believe these people are paid. And I I think a bigger problem is the donor base mentality. Um. I don't know if it's as much what the world, you know, as those organized apart from and against God as J.I. Packard defined the world. Um, but I think it's more their concern is the uh, the donor base and who's actually going to be continuing to support the ministries and everything like that, you know. And, and in America, in evangelicalism, you have to be nice. And if you're not... The donor base is gone, you know? So I think that that's a bigger problem there than even what the world thinks of it. I want to make sure you guys get through anything you have on, on your notes there before we get too close to the end here. Um, so, wh- again, wh- what's their main point? It seems to me, and we've all watched this, that th- they really, and this is where James White did ask at least once, he was like, well, don't you think things have changed? And, and, yes. and, and this Scott was like, he kind of waffled because he didn't want to admit. I, I, I don't. I don't know his motives, but it seemed to me it's like that would have been an easy answer. Yes, I mean I've I've seen it. A lot of the and James White has seen. It. He says you know now after 2020, having stuff like this, this conversation wouldn't have been happening. Some people now are saying things that like they wouldn't have said before. Uh, so they seem to want to say, well, you know what? It's true. It's sort of like okay, we have we have to grant this at this point. We have to grant that we would want our laws to be influenced by Christianity. I guess, you know, we really, ha- maybe we would have said that before, but we have to say it now because if we don't say it now, 
I mean, that kind of goes back to the popular opinion. If we get up here and say, we don't want our laws influenced by Christianity at all, then, man, that's going to make us look real bad. Mm -hmm. Because people out there are looking at Drag Queen Story Hour, they're looking at this stuff. We got to at least tip the hat and say, you know what? Yes, we want our laws influenced by Christianity, but that's it. We won't go any further. We won't say, what does God's word say about taxation? What does it say about sodomy? What should happen to someone who's openly practicing sodomy? They won't go there. So to me, it was simply, this is just PR. We're, we're going to oppose the theonomists. We're going to tip our hat to the Christian influence and say, you know what? It's true. Our laws should be influenced by Christianity. There, we said it. You, you guys can get off our backs now. We're not pietists. We're not out here saying there's... But then it doesn't go any further. So again, what's the application? Mm -hmm. And this is one of my big problems with this, and, and I want to play this clip because this, this definitely bothered me. This is Jeffrey Johnson, and this to me shows that they, no matter what they say, they'll tip the hat and say, okay, yeah, we need, you know, like this Jonathan Lehman article, we need, the, the laws should be influenced by Christianity. Yes, you know, Christianity is great. The Bible is the truth. It's okay, yeah, I guess we can't say that there should be no influence. But then what's the application? What's the end game? And you know what it is in this clip? It's Jeffrey Johnson saying that when he shut down his church, it was a glorious year. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read something that he wrote as it relates specifically to the government. And so this is their application of what they're saying. So this is only 30 seconds. This is Jeffrey Johnson. Uh, Nero uh, outlawed and banned Christianity. They conquered through death. And we conquered today, even though our culture has fallen apart. The church, I think, is more uh, uh, pure today than it was in not in 2019. 2020 was a glorious year for the church. I saw people come to the church given more uh, love for Christ, more love for the church than they did in 2019. So God works through suffering. See, if I didn't know that he shut down his church, I would agree 100%. I mean, I still I kind of do agree. I mean, it was a purifying, it was a purifying year. Where I, I disagree with you on that. Oh, really? Because I don't think it purified anything. That's my point. I mean, you, you can make your point, but I think this is a this is a case in point. Didn't purify Jeffrey Johnson. He he said. Well, I think we know who the true churches are now. I think, but they don't. don't but the people that go there don't, and the people that continue to go there. I mean, I I think we had our suspicions ahead of time. People like you and me, maybe these guys are they're rejecting God's law, or at least they're opposing it. I don't think it was a surprise. It wasn't a surprise to me that John MacArthur, for example, said this is easy. I'm shutting down the church right away. Because we could look at that and say, okay, well, this is consistent with what he has been teaching for all these years, that you submit to the civil government, whatever they say, they're in charge. So my frustration is, in one sense, you could say it's a purification, but... I think I, a lot of people's eyes were open, don't you think? A lot of people's eyes were open to the I think to, some to people's eyes were open, but I think a lot, they kept, keep going to these churches. Hmm. But Jeffrey Johnson, okay, this is what he said in March 19, 2020. For this reason, and as John Slater reported to his church, I believe that the request being made of the churches falls under Roman, a Romans 13 kind of response to honor the legitimate authorities rather than an Acts 5 uh, type of response. So Jeffrey Johnson, his, his application of all this, this is to me, it's just a tip of the hat. Yes, Christianity's influenced laws, but you know what? If the government tells us to shut down our churches, we do it. There was a, a reformed pastor here in Pennsylvania who said this, but beyond the question of obedience, this passage argues that God has established the government for the protection and the good of God's people. This is Romans 13. The Westminster Confession also argues that it is the duty of the civil magistrate to take order that unity and peace be preserved in the church. And then he said this, in Pennsylvania, our governor has acted with that goal. 
Governor Tom Wolf. <laughs> Governor Tom Wolf acted. He's all concerned oh about the church. <laughs> Governor Tom Wolf acted to take order that unity and peace be preserved in the church. That was. Go- oh, what? If you didn't know, that was Governor Wolf's goal when he recommended the churches shut down. What? My point is is this with with that clip. Are like, you kidding me? No, but a, a reformed pastor in Pennsylvania said that. Yes. Now my point is with Jeffrey Johnson. He he's saying, look. This was a glorious year. More people came to the church. Well, they didn't come when you had shut it down. They weren't coming when you shut down your church. Mm. So I know that's the tangent, but he brought, he brought it up in the forum. So my point is, to me, the whole thing was a tip of the hat. Yes, we affirm that Christianity should influence laws. Then what? You still shut down your church when the government tells you to. You don't repent. You, you can't give any practical things. All you're doing is reacting against... Well, the danger, and we'll get into it at the end here of formalism, because that was our whole thing. Oh, if we if we embrace Christian nationalism, this is just going to be formalism. We're just going to have have a, a church state. We're going to have form. Everybody's going to think they're Christian, and uh, on, as on. opposed to the honest, authentic Christianity you have now, of course. Right, um, Travis, yeah, you have some I notes think, there. What do you want to share? I think the formalism discussion, and 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 I think that James White has some legitimate concerns with the Christian nationalism idea. Um, you know, and I know that he and Doug Wilson have interacted on the sweater vest dialogues about this. Uh, but of all the people on the panel at G3, James White has the most legitimate concerns, uh, because of, you know, he brought up Fritz Erba, um, during Martin Luther's time, you know, being imprisoned just, you know, because of this, the, what's the term that he used? Um, sacralism. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, which my understanding of that term is when you have that church state kind of overlap or connection that in the United States we're trying to avoid, uh, you know, so that the, the church and the state are not married together like they were in Europe. Um, so I think that, uh, James White has the most legitimate concerns with the idea. However, it depends how you define them. It depends how Christian nationalism is defined because I think that James White possibly could be considered a Christian nationalist, uh, you know, once you really sit down and talk through it. Um, I don't want to speak for him, but yeah, I think that those are, those are some of the things that need to be really defined and we need to get a little bit more precise about. Um, did you have a clip you wanted to play from James White on that? Um, I got a couple. I'm not sure, but maybe we should steer the direction that the conversation in that direction now because that seemed to me was their main problem nominalism Mm -hmm. and when you read an article like jonathan lehman's that's his problem too like okay i grant we need the christianity the bible i don't know if they would say biblical law i doubt it should influence the laws of the nation but we don't want to identify as a christian nation yeah i i I want to quote somebody that that talked about this once I, i was informed once that when when America took control and Douglas MacArthur walked into to Japan and basically became the shogun above the emperor, I mean he was, I mean he 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 had all the power in Japan. MacArthur did, and 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 they were such you know I mean they had such an, a concrete idea of authority and power that if he would have said I want all the males in internment camps, I mean it, basically it would happen. They would get it done. Um, I mean, he, he had all the power and the emperor said to him, well, I guess, I guess I should become a Christian now. And MacArthur said, well, that's a personal choice. You don't have to become a Christian. 
okay, that you, you should make that decision based on outside of my influence. And the person talking to me about this said that was a that was a bad thing. That was a bad thing. And I said, why? You know, Christianity is a personal choice. We don't want formalism, right? We don't want nominalism. We don't want just the outward appearance. We want the inward appearance. And he said this. He said, in 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 Japan, if the emperor had become a Christian, officially embraced Christianity, even though he wasn't changed inwardly, if he had officially embraced Christianity, said, okay, I'm identifying as a Christian now, I'm going to follow, I'm going to read the Bible, and I'm going to follow the ways of Christ, and I'm going to embrace Christianity, the whole nation would have followed him in embracing Christianity. And you would have had a nation full of people asking the question, okay, what does it mean to be a Christian? And it would have opened up the doors for the missionaries to pour into Japan and teach the people, this is how you become a Christian. It would have just opened the floodgates. Would Japan have been filled with nominal Christians? Yes, it would. But is that better than, than, than the emperor continuing with his Shintoism and his, you know, his, his polytheism and the people continuing on that in that way too? Is it better to have a, a nation filled with nominal Christians who don't know, but the, oh, the the floodgates for the missionaries have been opened, and now we officially, as a nation, we put ourselves in a posture of embracing embracing Christianity, rather than having officially being a pagan nation and celebrating our wicked ways? I'm asking you, which one is better? It's to see that what you're talking about is heresy. You can't do that formalism no. and so forth, right? That, no. That's like heresy. No. But I have a question. Okay, after Daniel escapes the lion's den, right, and then you know, then then the king uh, throws all the people in the lion's den that, that that accuse him, and then he says, "Oh, by the way," and this happened with Nebuchadnezzar also. Yeah, um, you know what? We're worshiping this god from now on around here. Mm -hmm. Question for all you people that are all worried about formalism. Question for all of you. When Nebuchadnezzar declares, let's take Nebuchadnezzar, for example, after the three, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego incident, and he declares that from now on, we're worshiping this God, not the ones we had before. It's this God. Tell me, was that a good thing or a bad thing mm -hmm. that Nebuchadnezzar did? You're all worried about formalism. Nebuchadnezzar de declares that, good or bad. Right. And, and, and when he said that whoever speaks a word against this God, he'll be torn limb from limb. And his house, house is going to be a house, manure pile. Yeah, house is going to be destroyed. Well, that's not that's not the law. The law doesn't say that. The law, you know, doesn't call that your house be destroyed and you be torn limb from limb if you say a bad word about God, about Yahweh. Um, but it, but is that is that's formalism? But is that better than what the way it was before, where you could say something bad about God? You know, which one do you want? Which one do you prefer? Uh, and and I, I I submit to you, I prefer the latter. And I think it's better. You guys sound like a bunch of Presbyterians right now. <laughs> you know what we sound like? We sound like real Presbyterians. Yes. Not like the yes. guys that are out there now. They, they, <laughs> they sound more like pluralists. Yeah, that's true. Hey, I, 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 I've said to my Presbyterian friends multiple times, I'll become a Presbyterian when you become a real Presbyterian. <laughs> Well, and he, I want to keep I take up here. that challenge, Joel. <laughs> I want to stay here on formalism as as for, for kind of the remainder because I think this is the main point. I think a lot of what you said, Luke, uh, they would have some serious problems. There might be some nuance Absolutely. there that, that oh, I would, would have for it. But Travis, what are your thoughts first? And then there's a little bit I want to add here to the nominalism issue. Thoughts on on nominalism on on oh, okay. on this. I think I think their main problem. That was what they said is the concern. If we try to make America a Christian nation, whatever that means we are going to have a nominal Christianity. 
And I, and I think you and I agree with some of the concerns James White had, like you mentioned. Um, but I also think they're missing it. James White did say, I think that's missing the point. He said, it's not about do we want nominal, are nominal Christians better than drag queen story hour? He said, what matters is should our laws mm-hmm. reflect, I think he would be comfortable saying biblical law. And I think that's the question. So when, and then I'll come right to you here, Travis, but Jonathan Lehman in this article, he says, when the dimmer switch for establishing a religion is all the way up, a state effectively says, this is our God and we are his people. Plus sure, the Gentile rabble with us. But the point that I think was he misses and is totally missed here is that that cannot be avoided. A nation will always have the source of their law will be the God of that society. So the question for Jonathan Lehman and these guys is, okay, what should the source of law be in America? Should it be Jesus Christ and his word, or should it be secular humanism? And as soon as you say, well, no, it shouldn't be secular humanism, and these guys agree, well, they should be influenced by Christian. Okay, so the source of our law should be Christ then. And if that's not a Christian nation in the sense, because he, he, in this article, Jonathan Lehman's like, well, I'm okay with a Christian school, Christian radio station, because that means that they're trying to get the message of Christianity out. So why not be okay with a Christian nation if, by Christian nation, you mean this nation's laws are based on the God of our society that the people recognize, which is Christ. Now, that can only happen, to James White's point, if people's hearts are changed. But if that does happen you always have a God that's the source of law and society. So the question is not if we're going to be in a, uh, there's going to be a God that's recognized as the source of law, but what God? So Travis, what are your thoughts on that? And we can continue this. Yeah, that was a a really good point that he made there. And let's just kind of think in the future here a little bit, just as a a case example. Um, You know, let's say that a bunch of the magistrates in, in the land get converted and they're like, what should I do now? Like I'm in this position of authority. What should I do? Um, what would the G three guys have them do? Well, it doesn't seem like much would change. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's the problem. Let's all sit around and be influenced. Yeah. Let's have devotion in the morning and all that. But then when you go to work, you know, don't want your faith to affect your work too much, mm-hmm. you know, because that becomes radical then. And I, I don't understand why it's a bad thing for the government to cooperate with, you know, one of the uses of the law, which is to restrain evil. Why is that a bad thing? If the state is putting in place laws that are in uh, agreement with God's law and restraining evil in society, somebody tell me how that's a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Can can we agree (laughs) that the civil magistrate is going to do one of two things? There's no neutrality here. He's going to restrain evil. Or he's going going to encourage it. it. That's it. I don't think the G three guys understand that. No. I think they want some sort of a kind of a weird neutral um, civil magistrate that, as you say, he has devotions in the morning. And they have it. They have it. They That's have what an we out. have right now. They have well. They have an out because if 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 a civil magistrate does become a Christian, guess where they're pointing him to? And it's not the Bible. Where are they going to point him to, Dad? That would be the Constitution. They're going to point him back to the Constitution, but they're not going to point him back to the Bible. So that is their out. So if you do become a Christian, say, how, shall I, how then shall I rule? I mean, what, what standard? Well, the Constitution. And we're not going back to the Bible. We're not. And, and, and you know, what, as, as a nation, you know, you're going to get nominal Christianity if your laws are not biblical laws. 
you're going to get it because the the less law you have as a schoolmaster pointing you to Christ in your community, the less law that you, the less of that schoolmaster that you have in your community, in your society, in your culture, the less of it that is there, the more you think that you can get to Christ through your good works. Okay, that's what's going on now. You 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 accost any person in the United States and you say, "Hey, you know, how does one get to heaven even if I mean, if let's say they believe in heaven, how does one get to heaven?" Here's what they're going to say. You basically have to be a good person. Just don't kill anybody, don't rape anybody, you know, just be nice and be kind and do random acts of kindness and you'll be okay. Legalism. Legalism. Well, see, but- see, you bring up the, the the point here though. Um, I'm so glad we don't have nominalism. Right, that's today. what I was going to say. Those right? people would say they're Christians. Yes, yes they would say they're Christians. But I'm got nominalism that's now. That's right. what I'm saying. The more law you have instituted in your culture, the less sense that that answer makes. You will realize that if you're constantly exposed to God's law, that hey, if I just basically don't kill anybody, it's not going to cut it. If I just you know if if I just you know, do random acts of kindness, it's not going to get me to salvation. And the less law you have constantly reminding you you can't do this on your own the more you think i can do this on my own the more laws you have created by man the more convinced you are that i can actually work my way to heaven so what in the world are we doing up there saying well i'm concerned about nominal christianity when the more of man's law you have the more you foster that idea the more of god's law you have in your society the less you have people walking around thinking i can do this by myself you have to have that schoolmaster not only in your heart, not only in your family, in your church, but you must have it in your culture because the people walking around, I'm telling you, you grab them and say, how does one get to heaven? They will say good works. That's how you get to heaven. Yeah, we are. We have nominal Christians and, and, that's, and that's their view. So I, I, want, I want to add this. I, I want to say, I think, I think the whole thing about nominalism, I think it's a cop-out. Yes. I, and I don't think it's even about Presbyterianism. I really don't. I think that's very easy for them because they're all Baptists up there. Three of us are Baptists here. So I think it's very easy for them to be like, look, this is, this is Presbyterianism. You know, this, this is Presbyterian. I don't think it is. I, I think what we're talking about is what, what should the source of law be in society? We have we're gonna have to deal with nominalism no matter what. To your point, Joel and Luke, we have nominalism now. Yes, I mean, so many people yes. think they're Christians. Yes, and because we've been we've been living under this great experiment for how long? And um, you know, these guys would say we we don't want to identify as a Christian nation. So I, I think it's a defense mechanism that these guys are so opposed. And this is what we saw before 2020 and after. They're so opposed to God's law in the civil sphere that any defense mechanism that they can use to say, well, we don't want that. And now they're using nominalism, which I think is, is somewhat new. I think previously you wouldn't have had this sort of defense mechanism. You would have had other ones. They would have focused more on the theological, oh, you guys don't understand the Mosaic Covenant. And now it's like with Christian nationalism, uh, well, this is going to lead to nominalism. Well, in the one, I forget who it was, he even mentioned, well, we have to be honest, in Baptist circles, we have nominalism as it is anyway. You know, how many altar calls do we have and, and all that other stuff? Like, there yeah, was nom- I mean... Yeah. It, that's nominalism too. So to say that you're avoiding that, uh, I think is just not being honest. I mean, there was nominalism in Matthew chapter seven, right? Jesus said, many are going to come to me and say, Lord, Lord, did I not do this in your name? Right. So I think to Luke's point, the, the way you avoid nominalism is by preaching the law and the gospel and mm-hmm. say, just because you're, and this would be my point to the Presbyterians. And I think you would agree, Travis, 
Just because you're born into a Christian home, and I think we would say that, we would all say that, that doesn't mean that you are right with, with God and going to heaven. And that's where that's where the MacArthur, Douglas MacArthur thing comes from. In one sense, he was right. You know, it is an individual personal thing before God. Yes. And as a Presbyterian, I, I always remind my daughters, I have three daughters who were all baptized as babies, and, you know, they are they are part of God's visible church. Mm-hmm. But I always remind them that, you know, there's that baptism that is inward. There's that circumcision as the heart, as God talked about in the Old Testament. You know, like just to be circumcised in the Old Testament, the the Israelites were constantly tempted to think, oh, I'm good. I'm, I was circumcised. I'm, I'm part of Israel. No, you need to have the circumcision of the heart. Mm-hmm. And, and a good Presbyterian will always say that. Yeah. I, I think I think MacArthur's response should have been, you know, if the yeah, if you emperor, should become if, a Christian. Yes, yes, absolutely. The emperor says, "Well, I guess I should become a Christian." I think the response is, "Yes, repent and believe the gospel." Right. That, that that's the response. And and you know, I, I'm I'm not going to try and police your heart, but but yes, repent and believe believe. I think anyone who comes up to you on the street, it says, "I guess I should become a Christian." After hearing your preaching, yes, repent and believe the gospel. Right. Go read the Bible. Go do it. And I just if if, if what I was saying was was not clear enough before, I want to read. From Romans 5.20, now the law came in so that the transgression transgression would increase. And for most Christians, the verse ends there. Where we put the law, everything just gets worse. But he doesn't stop there. He says, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. If you want to have more grace, I'm sorry, Christians, I know you don't want to hear this because I know you think that the opposite of law is grace and the opposite of grace is law. But if you want to have more grace, according to Romans 5.20, you got to have more law. And to me, that's great news. That's part of the gospel. I love God's law. You should love God's law. We should all love God's law. We should all be trying to institute God's law. But it, and here it is in Romans 5.20. If you want to have more grace, we're all about grace around here. If you want to have more grace, you got to have more law. That's according to Paul, not me. I didn't make it up. It says it right there. Where sin, law came in so that trans, transgression would increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Yeah. Okay, so... It seems, again, to me, they're like, look, we don't want to identify as a Christian nation because that leads to formalism. But what, what should the, and that goes back to Psalm 2, but what should the civil magistrate, how should he identify? Should he acknowledge Christ? And mm-hmm. should he say, you know what, and we were just talking with someone who's running for office and, you know, we're going to tell, we've told him, you should publicly acknowledge Christ mm-hmm. because that's your duty. So what you should identify as a Christian, you should be you should be a Christian. Obviously, this, this guy we're talking to obviously professes Christ. So, like, okay, proclaim that, make that public, identify as a Christian publicly. The liberals do that; they identify with their God, yeah. and so that that's the whole point that this whole thing was missed. Uh, again, I don't think it's about Presbyterian or or, or Baptist view. I don't. I think that has nothing to do with it, especially since we're not talking about a church state here. We're not talking about, do, do we want to have a situation where you're born and therefore you're automatically part of a church? We could have that discussion another time. We might disagree on some of that, but that's not what we're talking about here. At least it's not what I'm not, ta- I'm not talking about that, and I don't think James White was. The question is, what should the source of law be in the civil realm? And then yeah, they, they brought up the question, well, what about, and then this went to the Presbyterian thing, what about babies? What happens in the next generation? And to me, it didn't make any sense. He's like, in the Presbyterian thing, that makes sense. Because your babies are born and they're they're part of the church, but that doesn't. What does that have to do with the laws of the nation? Yeah, but James White kind of picked it up and 
right and ran with that thankfully which which you would agree would apply in either case because their yeah. question was okay well this makes sense in presbyterianism because we're going to say we're going to have a christian nation and then our children were carried on but that that's not a guarantee just yeah, because it, you're whether you're a presbyterian or a baptist and you and you have children you teach them the law and the gospel and you say okay your job now in your generation is to take this further so yeah and and i mean we had that happening in the bible you know you have samuel who is one of the the great leaders of Israel and failed to lead his sons in following God faithfully. And he was kind of the reason why Israel was just like, you know what? You are good, but your sons aren't, they're not doing things right. So we want a King like all the other nations. You know, that was kind of the impetus for Israel saying we want a King like the other nations was because of the failure to follow in the next generation. But that doesn't mean that the the actual form of it was wrong, necessarily. It's just that he wasn't being faithful. And the next generation wasn't being faithful. And so to James White's point, you know, we whether you're Baptist or Presbyterian, you have to be faithful to lead the next generation in the gospel and what the Christian faith looks like. You have to live it as an example of it and teach it. That's, you know, you got to homeschool your kids. Uh, or, or you know, maybe private school, um, you know, but it's got to be your entire life. Yeah. Or else the next generation is going to fail. Yeah. Well yeah. said. As it's failing now. Yes. Yeah. Luke has to leave in a few minutes, and then Joel, a few minutes later, will probably wrap up uh, when you need to leave, Joel. But Luke, anything you want to add here as you have to leave here? Just this whole this whole discussion, uh, the issue of, of God's law in the civil sphere, it yeah, seems one, like they missed that point. One thing that they... Um, that they uh, one thing we didn't really cover was all the people pretending to be optimistic in their eschatology. Um, th- I thought that was a great thing. <laughs> I thought that was a great thing. And that's, and that's one of James White's questions. Like, isn't it good that we're all pretending to be optimistic here? <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that's, that's, I think that's basically one of what he was asking that they, 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 I mean, the optimistic eschatology is, is so, is so much more biblically, I think, uh, biblically accurate and, and people are, start, I think, are starting to realize that you know we, we can't keep subscribing to a a theology that's been wrong a hundred percent of the time. You know, dispensationalism has never been correct. Never. Every single prediction has never been right. Oh, this time, you know, and and, and you know that just kind of harkens back to. You mean you know, Kaiser Wilhelm was not the Antichrist, no, no. <laughs> like was predicted back in the days of Schofield. And, and I'm sorry, but you know Israel coming together plus 40 years, you know, it, it's you know 88. You're not. I guess I keep saying you're never going to beat 88 rapture reason for rapture in 88, or 89 reason for rapture in 89. You're never you're never going to beat that. So, um, you know, we and and, and so. Um, you know, when we when we come together in this in this thing, and, and James White, yeah, I'm optimistic in my in my, in my worldview, and 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 some knucklehead on there was like, well, I don't know, I mean, me looking at the world getting worse, and you know, basically us getting raptured out the last second as death and destruction rain down on us, and then Christ comes back. I call that optimistic. You, okay, you, okay, you don't you don't get to redefine the terms. Okay, it's a pessimistic means that the world is getting worse. Optimistic means that the world is getting better. So don't be like, don't take this optimistic thing and be like, oh, I'm going to change everything around now so so I can use that word to fit my eschatology. You know that that's uh, that's dishonest. You know, and 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 it was really 
great watching them, you know, twist and squirm that, and that writhe, was fun. going, yeah. oh, I'm trying to be optimistic here, yeah. you know. And you, so, you, gotta, you gotta watch it, yeah. just, just to watch they're that. They're all trying to grab this term <laughs> and, so, and just fun. jam it into their <laughs> eschatology. This, they're trying to put this square into the circular hole, and it's just not working. And and shame on them for, for not owning what they believe. No, no, I, I totally, you know, and I've seen some dispensational Supreme Ones do this. No, no, I definitely believe that Christ is coming back anytime. I believe the world's getting worse yeah, and all that kind of stuff. We lose just, down here. Yeah, we lose down here. Just own it for Pete's sakes. That's what you believe. And and stop trying to be the cool kid on the block like James White. He's like, yeah, I definitely believe that we're having an influence where we're changing things. You know, that was fr- that was frustrating to me, but it was satisfying to see that these leaders up there going, ah, I'm trying to, uh, eschatology, you know, that's positive, you know, but it, but it's not. Um, but it was also dishonest at the same time. They, sh- they shouldn't have done that. Just own your eschatology for Pete's sakes. Yeah. And James White, like you said, I mean, he, he was the one who said, yeah. Yeah, it's getting better because he's yes. post mill. Right, exactly. I mean, it was just like for him, it was just like you know, getting out of bed in the morning, just that easy. But for them, it was like all these gymnastics. They got to qualify everything. It was, just, it was bad. Well, Shame on them. Before you go, Luke, I'm not going to play the clip because we're running out of time. But Scott said, "You know what? Doesn't matter what our views of eschatology are. We should act the same no matter what." Hmm. Do you remember that part? Yes, I he's do. Like, he talked about Martin Luther planting a tree. So. So he said, yes. you know what, in the end, it doesn't matter what... So then I'm thinking, what? why do you even put post-millennialism in the title of this thing and make mm-hmm. it, oh, these post-millennialists out there, because of their view of eschatology, that's influencing them to take action in the world. When you are saying yeah. it shouldn't matter what when Christ is coming back, our job is to be faithful and seek to apply the Bible to all of life. So it, it, it was just... That was... That was weird for me. Yeah, well, I I, I, completely, I completely disagree. You know, um, it does impact. It, it does. It yeah. does have a huge uh, effect on, on what you're doing right now and today. And you know, a, a lot of the situations and the in the in the tough times that we're in could have been avoided by our. Everything would be fixed. No, not everything would be fixed, but a lot of things would be avoided if we had good eschatology. Man, we would just we would not be so obsessed with Israel and what's going on over there. That would, If we had a better eschatology, we'd say, wow, look at the horrible things that are going on in Israel. They need Christ, and we should send missionaries over there. But right now, we're... If, if they we're, would allow them, which they don't. We, yeah, which they do not. Which they don't. Which they do not. And they're trying to outlaw the, the proclamation of Christianity. Which we should still send them anyway. But if... Yeah, yeah, but, you're right. But, but this, this, this right. horrible view yeah, on Israel not. is a direct result of our poor eschatology. And don't tell me it doesn't affect things, because it is affecting this nation and the posture that this nation is getting when we're talking about war it ultimately comes down to our horrible eschatology because the christian leaders of this nation are obsessed with what's going on over in israel and this guy appears like oh it doesn't really matter yes it does question does our does modern christian you know institutional church eschatology say this the following bomb those gays of people into oblivion Yes. Does our eschatology say that? Yes. It does. It does. Not ours, but And, and, and I modern. find that this eschatology is justifying a lot of wickedness going on in Israel. They're justifying so much wickedness, and it comes down to our eschatology. So don't tell me none of that doesn't affect. Yes, it does. It affects foreign policy. As we can clearly see, it affects foreign policy big time. Man, I'm so I'm, I'm so upset with the dispensationalists. And with that, you are out of here. I'm out of here. Thanks. Goodbye, Luke. Thank you for your time. <laughs> Joel, to your point, uh, we that's not your eschatology. No. You're we, saying that right. the modern that the, the modern, modern church yeah. is oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the application. 
All right. Thank you, Luke, for your time. We'll see you next time. Uh, go get Luke's book, The Sound Doctrine of Theocracy, to support him. There. Yeah. yeah, support him and his work that he is doing. Uh, all right. We have about 10 more minutes, and then I know, Joel, you have to go. Uh, anything else we want to add to that? Good. I know you brought your notes this time, Travis. Uh, anything to add to what we've spoke, what we've talked about? Nominalism, theonomy, postmillennialism, Christian nationalism. I know we've kind of been, this has been a bit all over the place. Hopefully, at least, you know, it might help if you watch the forum, and some of our listeners may have or they may afterwards. And my overall analysis is, again, this is a def- this was a defensive forum. And the fact that they have to have these things, the fact that they're having this forum is because the conversation has changed. And instead of embracing it and saying, you know what, this is absolutely right, that we do need to be asking about how should our nation be ordered to honor Christ. And here are some things that people get wrong. They're just really trying to say, you know what, this, this, we, we can't identify as a Christian nation. This is a big problem. So, Travis, what notes do you have there that we didn't cover? We covered most of what I had, uh, so obviously we were picking up on the same stuff. Uh, I guess one thing that I just wanted to make sure that we cover well enough is to just kind of, you know, when they when they pose the question, do we want drag queen story hour or do Christian nationalism? You know, it was kind of oh, yeah. put out there <laughs> as this, good, like, yeah. it's either or, you know, yeah. that's your only options. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess, it, you know, like we said before, it, it all depends on how you define Christian nationalism. And... I would say that from my perspective, like we talked about, if we have uh, people in charge of our nation who actually are seeking to uh, reign and rule in a way that is uh, reflective of God's law, then we wouldn't have Drag Queen Story Hour. It just wouldn't be a thing, uh, at least in, in a public setting. You well, know, I'm sure... If- and People are going to be doing it in their own houses or whatever. Well, if we, got to, well, if we got to the point where we had Christian rulers, it's probably, it would be because the populace wanted that, right? And so therefore... Well, yeah, I mean, it could be, or like James White pointed out, like it could be that there's, you know, that there's a massive work of the Spirit of God and a bunch of civil rulers get converted, you know, along with people in the population too. And then everybody's kind of looking like, okay, now what do we do? That's possible. Um, we don't necessarily think that's going to happen. Uh, it'd probably be more of a gradual thing, like, you know, yeast in the loaf of bread type of thing. Um, but it is possible. There have been times in history where, you know, the first great awakening and, you know, and all these other times, the reformation, and then you have civil rulers becoming Christians. And like Luke pointed out, it could have happened in Japan potentially. Uh, you know, I mean, if, uh, Douglas MacArthur would have responded a little differently, who knows what would have happened. Um, but one thing that I wanted to really point out is that I don't think, I don't think that on that panel discussion, they showed how Baptist theology from a pre-mill or amill perspective is going to solve the problems they brought up with Christian nationalism. I don't see how that solves the problem. Well, I tell you, what was weird about that was, uh, in the beginning, in the very beginning, Owen Strong or Strachan says to uh, James White, basically throws on him the, uh, the Christian nationalist uh, label. James White rejects that. Owen, Owen comes back and says, well, the people that track with you, that's how we know we're you know, watching a, a modern, uh, you know, modern uh, uh, you know, Christian geniuses you know, track with you, right? We tracking with you, right? Well, people that track with you, um, you know, post-millennialism, 
tend to identify this kind of a thing, right? Right. And then, and then Boyce gets up there. Next thing he says is, well, "This has nothing to do with eschatology. We can argue about eschatology all we want. Uh, it's it's General Michael Flynn that we got to worry about." So you had that. To your point, Trav, you have that contradiction going on right, like in the very beginning of this thing, which to me was a general indication of how confusing this thing was going to be. And you're correct. James White actually w- was the only light, frankly, in this confu- uh, otherwise confusing mess. Yeah. Anything else you guys want to add? Um, yeah, just a comment real quick and then give you guys another chance. Yeah, I, I, again, I don't, I don't know what the relevance – to the baptism Presbyterian issue was, I, I don't see it. I, I don't see how it deals with anything. I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't solve nominalism. Um, I, I think I could have some obviously critiques of, of pedo baptism, but we're agreeing here that you, you can't just assume because of what, where, wherever you're born, what nation you're born in, what family you're born in. If you go to church, none of that means that, okay, you, you're good to go with the Lord and you don't need to worry about the state of your soul. If we acknowledge that and we're and we're going to preach that and teach that, then that's that's the best you can do with nominalism because we're still going to have churches, we're still going to have people in church that every Baptist and every Presbyterian would agree there can be people in the local church who are who are false, right? Whatever terms we might use for that, um, and we have to deal with that. So I, I think that was a total cop out, and I think it was a very convenient one because of their Baptist views. And again, I'm, I'm a Baptist. I don't share their, their views. I think it was very easy for them to say, well, we can dismiss this because as Baptists, we don't believe that you, I, you identify you, your identity comes from uh, where you're born. And those Presbyterians over there, they teach that if you're born in a Christian family, you're a Christian, you know, just take that on surface value. And so they're like, well, we, we don't believe that because we're Baptists. So therefore anything that would smell of that, if we're going to say we should have a Christian nation where if you're born in this nation, you have to the laws that you're beholden to are biblical law, and I think they're just conflating that and saying, "See, that's Presbyterianism." And what I'm saying is, no. I mean, everybody born in America, we already have it. I'm born in America, and I have to follow the secular humanist, or I, you know, I'm beholden to them. I don't have to follow them, but some, if I don't, I might be punished. So again, that's why I don't think. I don't know if there's anything you want to add to that. I think from those for those Baptists. They were using that as a defense mechanism and yeah. just blaming the saying, oh, this is just Presbyterianism. Right. And, and I think if I could step into what they're concerned about, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I think they're worried that, you know, if there's if there's this massive change in our society where people are like, yeah, we want to be Christian. Mm-hmm. They're worried like, okay, well, then our churches are going to be filled with a bunch of people who are not truly regenerate. Uh, but I would say that we're already in that situation, so I don't see there's, how there's this, a chance we're already in that yeah, spot. I don't see how this makes that any worse. Right. But what what is the what is the call on the pastors? The call on the pastors is to preach the word of God faithfully. It doesn't matter if your church is filled with nominal Christians or with people who truly love the Lord. It shouldn't change what you're supposed to do. Yeah, that's your job. It's I mean. your job. And, you know, and so the the remedy for Christian nominalism is the faithful preaching of God's law and the gospel, it, the whole counsel of God. And if you're doing that, it's going to address that problem. Right. Yeah. And he, and real quick here, Jonathan Lehman mentioned in his thing, well, I even have a problem with Christian schools because there's a lot of 
nominalism there. And he talked about his daughters and how they would come and tell him, yeah, these, these kids, they think they're Christians and they're not. And I agree with him. I taught in the Christian school for one year and uh, I, I get it. And, there are, and to your point, there are thousands of churches that are filled with people who think they're, they're, they're Christians, they think they're saved, and they're not. So, but what, what's the solution? Get, get rid of a private Christian school? Get rid of the churches? Get, get rid of the nation? See, that's where I think there was a disconnect. So the solution to a Christian school where your nominalism is flourishing is for the teachers to be like, to make it clear, well, just because you come to this Christian school doesn't mean you're right with the Lord. Here's what it means. Here's the first John. Here's what the Bible says. That's, what pa- that's the solution for pastors, right, in a, in a church where they might be concerned we have nominalism, which I think we agree is widespread right now, is for the pastors to bring out the Bible and say, well, here's what the Bible says to make sure you're right with, with, with the Lord. So it, it, a Christian nation, as I understand it, is one that's laws are based on the Bible. And if those guys would just say that, hey, yeah, that's what we want. We want the, we want laws based on the Bible. There we go. Then we can continue the conversation. Final final word, Joel, and then Travis. You know, one one thing I want to address. You know, losing down here and so forth. There's certain phrases in Christianity that they were said by the right person at the right time. We just kind of like elevate as truth, and it's almost on the uh, on the level of scripture. One of them is the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. You do not question that one. That is, that is. I mean, if we had a if we had a Protestant pope and said that, I mean, might as well have it, right? You cannot argue with that. Well, I'm going to argue with that right now, and I'm going to say that that thinking, said by an early church father, a, a faithful man, is is hurting us badly, because if the blood of the martyrs is a seed of the church, seed of the church, then the only way the church can grow is to have people killed around here, right? J. Gresham Machen also takes issue with that. He says this. He says, false ideas are the greatest obstacles to the reception of the gospel. We may preach with all the fervor of a reformer and yet succeed only in winning a straggler here and there if we permit the whole collective thought of the nation or of the world to be controlled by ideas which, by the resistless force of logic, prevent Christianity from being regarded as anything more than a harmless delusion. And I would argue that these men are arguing for that. They are arguing for not converting the culture. We, you know, we don't want to have nominal Christians. And so then, as far as the cultural thought is, Christianity is a harmless delusion. But now it's becoming for them a more harmful delusion. Then he says this, under such circumstances, what God desires us to do is to destroy the obstacle at its root. And what he's talking about is all false ideas. These are guys that don't want to uh, destroy false ideas. They want to influence them. And that's their problem. Yeah. Travis, will come to you in a second here. I mean, there, there's so much more we could say. I ho- hopefully that was somewhat helpful. And I think to one of, one of Luke's points, when he was talking about if you have biblical law in society, that, that, that has an impact on people and showing them their sin. And I would argue also when you have man-made law and you have – then you are teaching people – Okay, well, man is the source of ultimate authority. Where does that lead? Like they all they were so focused on. Well, if we if we are in any sense a Christian nation, well, everybody's going to think they're Christian, and it's going to be nominalism. It's going to be the end of the world. Well, what about when you have humanistic, man-made law? What does that teach people? That teaches everyone in society that they are God. We, the people, are God. So I just think it left a lot to be desired. And nominalism, 
will never go away, right? Until Christ comes back. I mean, Christ himself dealt with it. The best preacher ever will be. And he said, look, many of you are going to come to me on the last day and think that you were good with, and you're not. So I just wish they would have dealt, actually dealt with the solution to nominalism. To your point, what you were saying is, okay, their, their theology, you know, the ones on the panel other than James White, well, they're all concerned about nominalism, but what's their solution to it? So, uh, you know, I'd, I'd be happy if they dealt with a solution to anything. I, <laughs> I can't think of a single thing there they, they dealt with a solution for in, in that entire one hour. I mean, can you guys? Not not really that jumped not off the really. page to me. I mean, I think that when, when the one guy said we need to raise up a Wilberforce, I think that was inconsistent with everything they were saying then. Okay, and this is what I've heard so many times. So it's not the pastor's job to do this stuff. But we're going to train other people to. Okay, so then train other people to be in the public square proclaiming God's law. It was it was almost like a group therapy session up there. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, no no actual conclusions, no helpful insights from God's word that apply directly to life. But we all left feeling good. But so. we felt good, you know, yeah. and yeah. and they all from their heart spoke and Amen. empathized Amen. with people. Amen. Uh, so, you know, we can all feel better about it. I'm feeling better right now talking about it. Yeah, it would have been a complete echo chamber and therapy session if James White were not there. Thank the Lord that he was there. Thank you, James White, for representing God well. Yeah, amen. All right, anything else you want to add from your notes, Travis? I think that's it. All right, well, there's more. Maybe we'll come back with some more of these. we got a lot to talk about, a lot going on in the world, and a lot of areas we can apply God's Word to, every area of life. Anything else, Joel? I'm good. All right. For more information about the Langster Patriot, go to thelangsterpatriot.com to support our show. Go to patreon.com slash thelangsterpatriot. Until next time, remember that Christ, not man, is king. So long. <laughs>